Hey climbers, this is Brent. And this is Johnny. Today's episode is a climb classic. It's one we think is worth another listen. But if you have not heard it before, it is new to you. And here it is. Hey climbers, this songwriter wrote one of the biggest songs in country music ever. And he's written a bunch beside that. And we're going to talk to him today on The Climb. Please welcome to The Climb, Tim Nichols. All right, Johnny, do your thing. Welcome to The Climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is the key in the new music business. You're not going to be plucked out of obscurity. The big company isn't going to make it happen for you. You've got to make it happen for yourself. That's the bad news. The good news is you don't need anybody's permission. You just need to create leverage in the music business. C-L-I-M-B. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. That's a backstory from my co-host and good friend, Mr. Brent Baxter, who's also a hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. Got a couple number ones in the last 18 months in Southern Gospel, making miracles happen in so many different levels. And what I love about Brent is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then ultimately get you connected to the pros with those mission-critical relationships that are going to get you to climb up the ladder. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Look, if you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production singular. No S, and there is no S because there is no other. Johnny D. Johnny. Nashville Nights International Songwriter Festival 2021. This interview that we're going to share with you today with Tim Nichols, who is, you know, he wrote Live Like You Were Dying for Tim McGraw. He wrote Heads Carolina for... Um, Jody Messina. Jody Messina, amongst some other songs. And we just get a chance to sit down and talk with the man. He offers up some sage advice for songwriters and just a really, really interesting conversation. Tim Nichols is the sweetest man that you'll ever meet. Just a, what a great guy and what a fun interview. So without further ado, guys, we're going to get into this and we hope you enjoy it. All right, Johnny D with the Climb Show Music Business Podcast. We are live from the Nashville Nights International Songwriter Festival here in Odense, Denmark. And I am sitting next to the legendary Mr. Tim Nichols. <laughs> I don't Tim. know about the legendary part, but it's good to be here. <laughs> I'm not here. trying to embarrass you, doing, you, but I just, you know, I'm going to be beat up if I don't say that by everybody else in the world who thinks you are. So there you go. Appreciate uh, it. Thanks for taking the time to come yeah, here. Yeah, happy to be here. Is this uh, first time in Denmark? I've it been is. Here. First time. What are your thoughts? It's been amazing. Just amazing. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of an amateur photographer, too. I oh, love yeah. taking pictures. Love taking pictures. Oh, so cool. I've got my Sony camera and G Master lenses and just walking around all, all day long. Take, because it seems like everywhere you look, it's a picture. Yeah. You know, and so it's been just so much fun for that. And then just the, you know, just everything's like lots of 
lots of old buildings here. 600 years you know, right? or more. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, what? The people are amazing. I mean, it's just, I'm already, it's like, when can I come back? <laughs> I really love it too. Right? Like, yeah. the, starting with the plane flight, like the, the stewards on the plane flight, I was like, you like they're talking to people, yeah. really talking to people, you know? And so yeah. your sister Mary, like, is, is, is she better now? And I'm just like, what? <laughs> right. You know, like they, but they knew because they asked before yeah. when they delivered the food, then they came back for the, the liquid, yeah. you know, and it's like they're, it's so warm. Just, it's, yeah, it's just engaging and, and caring and, yeah. and all of that. Yeah. And so we, you know, we flew in to Copenhagen. And so I spent a couple of days there as well and had, okay. a, had a great time and, and, and hung out and, you know, did the tourist photography thing right. there. And then we, and then we got here. Um, it's like I said, I mean, it's just a, just a wonderful part of the world to be oh, in. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. So you've had a few performances already and any more today? Are you done for the I'm all, I'm all good. So I'm just, uh, chilling like I'm just villain. watching. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm just taking it all in. Not any, um, I mean, we have an amazing amount of talent on this festival. It's incredible. Um, that's, yeah. you know, songwriting, yeah. any, up and comers that caught your eye, or a certain song, or a certain performance that maybe. Well, I know so, um, and I know I've heard uh, uh, Tyler mentioned Ava Page and yeah. this seventeen-year-old phenom singer songwriter, yeah. guitar player, just like this triple threat. Uh, and I didn't know Ava; I hadn't met her before. Um, there's a there's a girl, uh, Laura Oakes. Oh. From London, that song. So I watched her play, heard <laughs> yeah. her play the other night. She just amazing, just yeah. incredible. So this, just for her songwriting, her guitar playing, her singing. I mean, there's there are a lot of talented folks walking around here this this week. And uh, Dan Smalley is a is a new artist buddy of mine, and so we've written a couple songs together before. But I hadn't heard him. We played a, a BMI songwriter deal a couple of years ago in Boca Raton, and it was great to catch up with him a little bit mm -hmm. and, and to hear him and his and some of the new songs he's been writing. So I mean, it's just just on all levels. It's just been really great to be here. Like uh, the guys mentioned, Eric and Tyler, we've been we we had a chance to write a little bit today, which is always oh, you know we, yeah. I mean anytime. Writers, songwriters get together. We're always going to want to try and find a time to, hey, man, who's trying to write a song here? <laughs> yeah, right. You know? And Look at y'all are so busy, too. I mean, it's like you got to grasp at the chance when, when it's right there yeah. in front of you, you know? So, I mean, wow. You've got some career. Uh, amazing work and craftsmanship. Thanks. I mean, just, just attention to detail and clear passion for the craft. What was the first song? that you wrote that you heard on the radio. Do you remember that moment? Yeah, it was a Keith Whitley song. Uh, it was called I'm Over You. Mm. And, I heard you uh, from that the other night. Yeah, I've played that. And it's, uh, man, I just, you know, we always, we we all move to town. And, and actually, you know, like so many folks, I moved to town thinking I wanted to be a singer. Okay. You know, and then I, I got to Nashville and just the songwriting community is so strong and tighten it and the and the industry really respects and promotes the craft of songwriting and so i started going to the bluebird cafe and and seeing those writers in the middle of the you know in that little in that circle there and it's like man they look like they're having so much fun i want to figure out how to get in that circle wow you know so i started writing 
a lot of bad songs, <laughs> which I think is part of the process. But yeah. thankfully, I feel like you have this um, kind of self-defense mechanism that you don't really know at the time how bad your bad songs are. Mm-hmm. You don't, because otherwise, if you did, you'd probably quit. Yeah. You know, so you don't know. You have to have a certain amount of healthy delusion, right? I think that's, yeah, of course, absolutely, 100%. You have to have some some dreamer, yes, it can happen, you know. Because you don't start out with live like you were dying. You Absolutely not, absolutely not. That's a whole lifetime, you know, that it's the old adage of, um, of um, oh, the famous artist, the big, big time famous artist died in the 30s. Um, with the weird faces, the uh, I'm forgetting his name. It's so um, a painter. Yeah, Picasso. Picasso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Picasso's at a restaurant, and some lady comes up to him, hands him a napkin. She's like, "Here, write me. You know, make draw something on this." He's like, "Okay." So he draws it. Takes him five minutes, gets it done. She's like, "Oh my god, this is wonderful!" And she, she goes to grab it. He's like, "That'll be five hundred dollars." She's like, "That took you five minutes." He's like, "No, it took me my whole life plus five minutes." That's exactly right. <laughs> A great story. So you have to you have That's to great suck first to, to yeah. get better at that craft. It's just, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just part of the process. And the other thing is, I mean, this and I'll talk whether I'm talking to new songwriters or new artists. You know, one of the things I tell them is, you know, a lot of times if you you have to you have to love this, yeah, the music or whatever. I mean, any I feel like it's anything in the arts. You have to love it. Yeah. Because if you're just in, if you're just in it for the money, mm. it's like forget it. Because it's too hard and it takes too long to get to the money. Yeah. So you have to love mm. it every. There's easier ways to get to the money. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You told uh, you told Janelle something that was brilliant that uh, I'm gonna steal from you, and that was that you know because this was me too, a f- former artist, and I toured and uh, it, I didn't choose music; it chose me. Oh yeah, right. You know, right. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I work with artists now and they're like, well, you know, we haven't, we haven't been in a band for four or five years. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how that's even possible. You know, I think like I was playing when I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, yeah. sucking, yeah. but I could not do it because 100%. it was just, that's where I was going to be. So yeah, I no love choice. that you said no that. Choice. And yeah. I only ask you a couple questions here sure. from, uh, yeah. That I have my co-host Brent shoot over to me here. He was supposed to be here, but it wasn't able to make it. He got sick right before he came. The whole family came oh, out with the flu. How important are artist relationships and access for songwriters, in your opinion? I think there are. There's no doubt that it's that it is helpful. And I mean, and the longer you're, it's just you know natural course of. A career, the longer you're, um, the longer you're in it, the more you're going to have those relationships. I mean, I've been, I've been fortunate, and over the years, I mean, I had um, Jody Messina's very first single, "Heads Carolina Tales yeah. California," and I, and 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 I had an early single on Chris Young, "The Man I Want to Be," and so anytime, you know, when you when you can get in on some an artist, they're success early on that doesn't mean that they're going to cut everything that you send them but mm-hmm. but um it is nice to have a relationship to where when you have a song that you feel like would be great for them you can just you can just shoot it to them 
Right, but it's right. like, hey, check this out. Yeah. Now, at the same time, if you're, you know, when because new writers, it's all about, you know, when you're brand new. When I when I I didn't know Keith Whitley when he, you know, I didn't know him personally. Yeah. You know, I didn't know Ronnie Millsap personally when they recorded my when he recorded one of my songs. And so in that case, that's where the song has to make the introduction and the song has to be great. Yeah. And so I remember like back in the day, I got my first publishing deal for Ronnie Millsap and he had a small independent publishing company and Mike Reed was writing there at the time. Okay. And Mike Reed was, you know, I mean, he's just one of my just an iconic country songwriter or actually not just country. Um, And so, man, he would it was like. It was like Reed would get good news every day, and he was just writing these <laughs> just, great just songs. Gravy train and, with so, wheels. and so the thing was, I, I I figured out it's like for me just getting started, my songs couldn't be to get songs cut over Mike Reed. My songs couldn't be as good as Mike Reed's if I'm gonna have. They have to be better than Mike Reed's. Boom. And so that what's. And then there was a time when Mike Reed's songs couldn't be as good as Harlan Howard's songs. They had to be better than Harlan's. And so now there's a now there's a new writer somewhere that his songs can't be as good as Eric Pazlay's or Tyler Reeves or Tim Nichols. They have to be better than yeah, you know. And so that's like it's like this like um, you know. So you might think, well, that's not really fair, but it's equally unfair. Yeah, because we've all had our time where you got it. That's just yeah. what it takes. Yeah, you know. Well, and you know, we've talked about this on the podcast so much. Um, it's, I mean, it's been going for five years, and we really go down this road where, and you said it in a much different light, and I like that angle. It's, so it's hopefully another way to get it through to to aspiring songwriters' heads. Like, well, my stuff's as good as you know the stuff on the radio, and we'll be like. Well, you you has to be better than that, right? Because if it's as good as what's on the radio, all my buddies write those songs too. Yeah, right. Why wouldn't I give him the cut? Right. It's my friend. You would do the same thing, you yeah, know. And, yeah. and it's it's so now you've got to blow the mind and and have that undeniable song where I have to have this on my record, kind of a right. thing. That's, that's right. I love that you said it that way. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, uh, uh, the other thing is, I think for new writers. You can't, and as hard as it is to not to do, but you can't take rejection personal Mm -hmm. because I don't, I think, you know, I'll tell him when you're playing a song for a publisher for the first time, that publisher is hoping your song will be great. Yeah. Your publisher is hoping you're the next Jimmy Webb. Because they're wanting your, yeah, absolutely. It keeps the doors open. So they're, they're hoping your song would be great. But the fact is, Great songs, that's not the easiest thing in the world to write a great song. No. You know, I mean, we can... If it was, everybody be too Everybody, well, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, it's it's tough. Now, good songs, you know, I was I heard you, I was listening to one of the, your podcasts with Eric a little while ago, and he was asking the difference between a good song and a great song, and it's like, miles. Yeah. Miles. You know what I'm saying? It's a long, it's a long way. <laughs> you know, right. the, and so the the thing is, I mean, we show up every day. You want to write a great song, but I mean, when you're making a living at it, sometimes you just have to write the song in the room that day, and yeah. it's all about 
And ultimately, to me, it's all about the idea. To write a great song, you have to have a great idea. And, and great ideas, they're not, they're not growing on trees. That's right. You know, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, for like, um, you know, Craig and I, the day we got together to write Live Like You Were Dying, we didn't have a clue we were going to write that song that day. Yeah. And it was just, that's that part, that's the other part of that is must be present to win. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta, gotta show, show up, up baby. That's gotta right. show up, baby. Gotta um, be in the room. We had um, so one of the artists. I don't know if you had a chance to meet her or see her or not uh, on this festival. Her name's Chelsea Stallings. Um, she's the girl with the purple hair. That's kind of. I haven't hair. had a chance to see Chelsea. She is originally from Salt Lake City, and mm. about four years ago, she put on the very first climb conference. It was a songwriter conference up in Salt Lake City. And she asked Brent and I to come up there, and we're like, okay, like, thank you for that, but we're going to need to bring some more weight with us, you know? To, to, um, and so we got um, Shelby Kennedy to come and, and Chris Oglesby. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I've known Chris a long time, man. He said, you know, as soon as they got done writing that, they called me first. <laughs> and we're like, man, that's so cool. Would you mind sharing that story that you share on stage sure. for, for yeah. uh, about that song yeah. and uh, that whole thing? Because I thought that was just gave me the feeling. So I talk about, you know, I've, I've said it over the years. I've told this story, to, you know, a fair amount. And I'm always happy to. The day we wrote that song was just like any other day. Mm -hmm. And then since then, it's, re it's been like no other day, right. really. You know, but like I said, it started like any other day, and we, Craig and I got together, and we were just, you know, making small talk and, and having coffee, and, and I was just sharing with him a story that I'd heard the day before about a friend of ours who had just gone in for a routine physical, going to the doctor, did all this blood work. They ship it off to the lab. The lab got this guy's files mixed up with someone else's. Wow. And they call him back, and they said, we're sorry to tell you, you're, there's trouble. Your days are numbered, <laughs> basically. That's, you know, and the numbers don't go very high. Yeah. So that, that reminded Craig then of another story that he'd heard on NPR. This lady had, uh, she'd been diagnosed with cancer. And while she had time, she said one of the things she wanted to do was she wanted to go mountain climbing in the Rockies. Well, our buddy had always wanted to jump out of a plane. And so he did, you know, he started skydiving. And so that's, we had the skydiving and Rocky Mountain climbing and we started, you know, tossing around lines like dying to live and Craig, man, just came down, you know, he said, hey man, what about live like you were dying? Like, Ooh, dude, I love that. There it is. Let's write that. Yeah. And so we, um, we did, and we, we knew that Tim McGraw was starting to look for songs for a new project. And, you know, a lot of people have asked us, you know, did you write this? Did you, were you thinking about Tim McGraw? Because, because of his dad, you know, Tug was going through this terminal illness. And, and the truth is we weren't. We were just writing, this, we were just trying to write it the very best that we could write it. And then um, figuring that, okay, if we can just write a great song, people are looking for great songs. And it just so happened that Tim was starting to look for a new project. And so that's the first place we went. Craig has had a lot of success with Tim before. Um, and so we got it to him. He was the, 
it was one pitch. He was the only artist that heard mm-hmm. it. He said, I'm in on this. And so, um, and I feel like, I just feel like songs find their way. And it, I think without a doubt, that was just supposed to be his song. And yeah. I feel like what he was going through with his dad at the time it came through in his vocal performance. And, and I was just, it was meant to be his yeah. song. It really was. And so that brings up another question that I have because somebody was asking, you know, did you write that for Tim? When you are writing a song, are, are there times when you're in a room where, well, obviously, I guess if you're with an artist, then that's got to weigh down like, okay, I got a high chance of getting this cut with this artist that's in the room with me. Um, how much do you consider... Um, what the artist will or won't say or what radio will or won't spin when you're in that sure. writing room. Yeah. Um, so if we're, I mean, anytime we're in the room with an artist, we're writing for, I mean, we're writing for that artist. Mm-hmm. Now there are other times when we're in a room, um, you and I could be writing and it's like, okay, we know that Jason Aldean is looking for a song or George Strait or whoever. So we can, I mean, then there are sometimes it's like, okay, man, let's just, let's try and aim something. Let's try and write a song for a particular, for George Strait. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so there are days that I like, that I like that kind of project writing. Mm-hmm. Um, that gives you a bit more focus, right? Like, you Yeah, exactly. Some, right. You have more parameters. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Phrasing and, 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 um, and, and range and all that kind of thing. And so, and I've been, and over the years, I've been, I've had a, a, a bit of success going that way. Okay. You know, writing a song for Alan or Reba or whoever. Um, the, the, it's a bit of a two-edged sword in that if you tailor this song specifically to a particular artist, again, let's say George Strait, and if George passes, then so nine times out of ten, when you go to play it for it for you go to play it for any other artist, it sounds like George like, Strait. Sounds okay. like Did a George Strait song, yeah, right. Like, no. So that's kind of the you know the two edged sword of that. But ultimately, you know, there are those days, and it goes back to man, let's just try and write a great song and let the yeah. let it find its way. Let the music do the talking. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever um, maybe? made specific decisions on the demo knowing that it was going to be a certain pitch uh to a certain artist like let's uh you know key this a certain way because this is the key of that artist or something along that uh, something that would make it as most as familiar as humanly possible or they just like it's tim nichols a lot of, well no oh, no it's, no, it's not that i mean we again i think part of it is what you know you want um, in a demo, I feel like you try and make it just the most because the, ultimately it's, you want to, I think, make it the what is what's going to make this song the most accessible mm-hmm. to you know are the can, can there you know because ultimately you know you would you hope that there are several pitches mm-hmm. you know that yeah. there you know now there now this is like a. Scott Hendricks is a buddy of ours, and so we. Uh, he was saying, just in terms of like Blake, he's produced tons of Blake Shelton hits, mm-hmm. and so Blake likes to be when Blake is listening to the demo, he likes to be able to sing along with it in his truck. Mm-hmm. So that's in that case, then you want it. Then you, in key terms of to, key, to Blake, yeah. that's going to be okay. yeah. yeah. So we're gonna. 
So if we're going to think that, then we're going to, it's like, okay, we're going to pitch this. We're going to put this in a key more for Blake than it's like Gary LaVox or whatever. Mm-hmm. You right. know what I'm Who's saying? Gonna, so, yeah. right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So that's absolutely, yes, for, definitely something we take into consideration. Have you ever done, um, maybe multiple singers on the same uh, song demo because it could go female or male on a pitch? I ha- Yes. Although it seems like for the most part, you can, female artists are better about listening through male, uh, than a male, with a male vocal on it. You know what I'm saying? That male artists are listening with a female vocal. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Now, a few years ago, I wrote, uh, man, I just had the incredible opportunity and good fortune to write a handful of songs with Burt Backrack. Really? It was, uh, yes. Yeah. So it was like the most fun. Wow. I mean, I went went, we wrote at his house. You know, I mean, we would, I mean, he would be like here and I'm just, he'd be at the piano and I'm just sitting there right beside him. And it's like, he's playing these melodies. It's like, holy shit, man, he's being Burt Backrack right now. He's playing these melodies that are just incredible. And so we, so we wrote this one song that we had a couple that we had male and female vocalists on and yeah, called Carry On. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, so sometimes that, sometimes it feels like the song warrants that mm-hmm. and if it and again it's just let the song speak to you yeah be who it what it wants to be and get to whoever's in terms of singer or whatever i like that yeah. i think yeah. uh success in anything in in this case we're specifically talking about the music business and in songwriting there has to be a um a level of courage to push through the imposter syndrome that we all get as we start to climb and we start to get in the rooms that we wanted to get into, but we couldn't before. I think everybody has a tinge of that and there's a fear and the courage is moving forward in the face of that fear, right? Knowing that and trusting in yourself. What is it when you had those moments earlier in your career that was there something that you said to yourself or you thought to yourself that, you know, got you, through that, like, did, did, like, did you have an imposter moment? Like, that I've early just, on? I've always, I mean, I, my glasses. If you, anybody that knows me, knows my glass is always half full. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to be, um, I'm always going to be grateful. I'm always grateful for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think part of that is just is being prepared and doing your homework. Before you get in those rooms. Yeah. I mean, that's the, ultimately, that's the thing. And that's just respecting them and yourself enough to be prepared when that opportunity presents itself. And yourself enough is the key word in there. Right. That's awesome. So um, let's button it up with this. What, uh, What is, what would be the most profound piece of, songwriting advice that you could give to the aspiring songwriters, the audience of, of American Songwriter Magazine? I feel like it's keep believing in yourself. And if there's something, if you're where you're supposed to be and you're supposed to, again, it goes back to that thing of we all moved to Nashville because we feel like music but we chose music because it's what we something that we had to do mm-hmm. so just keep believing it's going to be hard 
It's yeah, really let me hard. Save you the suspense. And yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is not going to be easy. And so, and and for as long as, again, I've been so fortunate and so blessed over the years, it's still hard. It's still, I mean, I still hear no nine times out of ten. But I just know I just I don't take that personal. And I feel like when when you when you get rejection, when you say, when you hear we're gonna pass on this song. And that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that they don't like you. It doesn't mean that they don't like the song. It's just not the song they're looking for that day. That day, yeah. And so just just keep chasing it. And the the other thing is just I'm rattle rattling on here. But the thing I think again, it goes back to whether it's music or anything in the arts. If you want to be a doctor or an attorney or an engineer. That's like a four-lane highway, mm-hmm. and it's lit. And you know how far, if you'd be a doctor, you know how far you are every mile of the way from being a doctor. Yeah, you know you've got college, you've got med school, you got the lawyer, you got the bar exam, all that. If you want to be a singer or a songwriter, that's more like you see that opening in the woods over there. Go that way. Yeah. And you never know, and see so you Here's know what's like. Yeah, you head to Nashville, <laughs> yeah. not knowing a soul. Yeah. But once you get there, and then when you're there, you never know. You never know how close you are. Yeah. To to breaking through and arriving, but you just have to. It's a you know that bless the broken road thing, you yeah. know. Um, and so you just have to show up, but it's just just that thing of. Like Tyler was talking about, the mistakes are part of it. Yeah, you know, and it's that, and it it it, it is that. As cliche as it sounds, it is the the journey is part of it. Yeah, you know, and we all have one. Yeah, you know, and and that's the other thing I feel like with songwriters, when we get to an event like this, we all, even though we we may not have we may not know each other when we show up, but by the time the event's over. We're like we have new friends, yeah. Because I feel like we're all basically the same person. You know what I'm saying? In that we 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 chose music, and music yeah. chose us. Yes, 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 you know? yes. We're in a tribe, for sure. Exactly. And and uh, and you can recognize that in another, you know, instantaneously when when it's real and when you see it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the perfect statement to button this up. Thank you so much, Mr. Tim Nichols. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, buddy. Absolutely. Johnny D from the Climb Show Music Business Podcast on American Songwriter Magazine's podcast network. You can find that at americansongwriter.com forward slash podcast. And once again, we're broadcasting live from the Nashville Nights International Songwriting Festival here in Odense, Denmark. Tim Nichols, Thank you again, and safe travels to you on your way back home. Thanks, pal. All right, take care. Good to see you. All right, well, that concludes the interview with Tim Nichols, short and sweet. He had uh, places to be, people to go, people to see, places to go. How does that work? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, guys, we hope you enjoyed that. Some, Some insights, some perspective, some proximity to one of the cats that is at the top of their game mm-hmm. um super cool for me i enjoyed meeting them and we hope you like it too guys this podcast exists because we want you to win so keep on climbing and we'll see you at the top
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 